0: Hello, swimmers and welcome to another episode of Torpedo Swim Talk podcast. I'm your host Danielle Sperling and each week I talk to a master swimmer from around the world about their swimming journey. We're joined by marathon swimmer and cold water enthusiast Sam Polson for today's podcast. It takes a lot of determination, uncomfort, and true grit to swim from the White Cliffs of Dover to the sandy shores of France through the tides of the English Channel. Sam has those characteristics in spades and used them to cross the English Channel and also the treacherous North Channel, which is colder, longer, and full of many more jellyfish. Sam explains how she completed these swims, what her mindset was, and how she trained and prepared for these epic journeys, and overcame many obstacles to do so. Let's hear from Sam. Hey there, Mark. Hi, Sam. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> You're welcome. Where are you coming to us from today? Uh, I'm coming from Hobart, Tasmania. Um, okay. Did you grow up in Hobart?
1: No, no. I am uh, from Perth originally, but I've been living here for the past year. Yeah. And what what took
0: you to Hobart?
1: Oh, <laughs> um, I actually moved here with my ex. Okay, <laughs> but it didn't work out. But that's okay. Uh, decided to stay anyway because it's just the most incredible place. Is it? What makes it so special? Oh, um, it's just like a playground for adventure. You know, it's absolutely beautiful. Uh, you've got like Kunanyi, the Mount Wellington in in town, and then it's just. Like the hiking, the bike riding, the swimming, everything is like phenomenal. And it's all, it's so small, so it's super accessible. But like, we, we have to keep that all under wraps so <laughs> everyone doesn't come. <laughs> but no, nah, it's, um, yeah, as soon as I arrived here, I was like, oh, this is it, this is home. So yeah, I love it.
0: So you do a lot of hiking as well as on top of your swimming, do you?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Um, the flavour of the month at the moment is probably bike riding, but yeah, hiking, like multi day hiking, has been awesome. Bit of trail running and a sprinkling of swimming as well. <laughs> Sounds
0: really good. Have you ever done that Cradle Mountain Overland Walk?
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. Yes. I did that. Um, I did that in November last year, um, okay. by myself, which was oh. unreal. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Yeah.
0: Did you do the glamping one or the camping
1: one? No, no, no. I'm not fancy enough for that. Just uh, <laughs> rough it in my tent. The <laughs> <laughs> tent nice. of the um,
0: <laughs> Definitely on my list of things. It sounds like a beautiful walk. Yeah, you yeah. got to.
1: You got to. It's absolutely amazing. Mum, my mum and dad are doing it in Feb, so oh, nice. If that, if my dad can get through it, then than anyone can (laughs) I hope your dad's not listening (laughs) yeah exactly sorry dad I have faith
0: (laughs) let's talk about your swimming career how did you first get into open water marathon swimming oh um
1: I guess I always I always swam when I was young um so I did all the squad stuff when I was really young um and like was moderately okay at it but not like not like amazing um and then you know it was it was one of those things that i did because my parents sort of enrolled me in squad training so it was a bit of a chore um but i'm eternally grateful for that because that was sort of 10 years of like technique building i suppose and um yeah so i did that all through until i was about 17 and then i um quit as soon as I was allowed to <laughs> um and I then I was about 20 I don't know 21 22 and I was uh, in my final year of physio and I thought oh maybe I was living in Perth studying in Perth and um I'd kind of been involved in the Rottnest swim like my whole life my mum my mum has done it twice she's amazing I'd done it Oh, I actually, I actually never done it. I hadn't done it in a team or anything, but I paddled. And um, one year I was like, oh, I should I should do rotto. I mean, it's such a quintessential West Australian swim. Um, and I did it and I loved it. Uh had a great day. And then again, didn't really, um, after that sort of didn't stick with swimming, uh, moved to London um, in 2010. 20- uh 2015 and i had been living in london for about two years and i was like oh i'm in england like i should probably i could do the i could maybe do the english channel so i um i just googled like how to swim english channel and I came across I came across the like the Channel Association website and down at like a list of coaches. So I just emailed Tim, yeah, the guy called Tim Denier from Red Top Swim in London and we met for a coffee and the rest is history. I was absolutely hooked after that. And that was kind of the the start of the big swims.
0: <laughs> right. So Red Top that's a, a club in London, is
1: it? Yeah, that's an yeah, yeah, that's a um I don't, I, I, they don't really call it Masters. I, I mean, I guess it's a Masters group or sort of um, slightly older, not, in, I mean, from anywhere from, you know, late teens to um, 60 plus. Um, that's a group in London and they predominantly, there's a few triathletes, but it's predominantly open water swimmers and they are like the most incredible Oh, they're such an inspiring group of people, um, and it's a real, it's a really beautiful um, community that they've got there. Like, they've all, I mean, li- having lived in London, they all, the majority of them are from London um, and or England, UK, and so many of them have done the English Channel. And so you rock up and like you just didn't, I don't know, the, it feels like the big leagues of channel swimming, but they're so low key about it. You know, there's no ego, there's no um, you know you no know, people don't boast or anything it sort of slowly comes up in conversation oh you've done it you've done it you've done it and this plethora of other out you know other outrageous swims like they're they're a really really amazing group of people and Tim he helps tons of people get across the channel every year so yeah they are they definitely lit my fire for um channel swimming for sure
0: yeah it would be inspiring training with people that have all done it and you can learn from their experiences before you even get in there
1: exactly exactly like I remember the they have this a great Saturday morning swim where they you know they, they start at nine so it's very um it's very a reasonable time for a, a Saturday morning and then you all go for breakfast or lunch afterwards and I on my first Saturday I went for lunch with all these guys and I d- I didn't even know what the ocean 7 was I had know. I I was so green like I just I just didn't have a clue um and I was talking to this one guy called Guy and um he he sort of started telling me about these swims that he'd done and he was talking about the English channel and that that the English channel in my head was the only thing that existed and 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 talking to him I was like oh my gosh there's... he he talked about the north channel and as as soon as I heard that I was like oh wow like this is a thing this is a thing that you can do (laughs) which
0: pool do they swim out of in london
1: oh they have like four different pools they swim out of london fields um which is a really beautiful outdoor pool um and then they've got um uh one in mild mile end which is like a 25 meter indoor pool that's like 40 degrees it's awful um uh and then they yeah they've got a couple but it's predominantly from from london fields i think it might have changed a little bit with covid now but yeah that was where most of the most of the work got done
0: so in that preparation time leading up to your english channel swim did you do many swims in the open water or was it all in the pool
1: yeah it's really hard when you live in london um So I I kind of figured out, not personally, but under the guidance of Tim, that, you know, the majority of the hard work gets done in the pool and you can kind of get away with minimal open water, which isn't news that I like to hear because I love, like I love being in the open water. But I did, you know, for the, I guess I trained, I had a bit of a hiccup. I decided in 2017 that I wanted to do the channel um, and then I got a place uh, on a boat um in 2018 but mid 2017 I dislocated a shoulder and it was a bit of a nightmare um so I had a year and a half lead up um and I don't think I really I really sort of started training quite hard maybe a year before and then I wasn't open water swimming more more than like once every few months even you know like it was sort of 25 to 35 40 k's a week all in the pool and then as the summer kind of came around, then I'd go for trips to the coast and swim laps in Dover Harbour, <laughs> which was pretty
0: grim. <laughs> yeah, with all those boat fumes.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's awful. It's, it's absolutely <laughs> awful. But, again, there's a really good group that swims down there, so, yeah. you know, they make it. Fun.
0: Yeah, and so you've done the English Channel and the North Channel. What What is yes. the difference between the two swims?
1: It's just the North Channel is just infinitely more brutal. Um, it's cold. It's so it's so, so cold. Um and I mean there are jellyfish and there are there are other obstacles, but I'd say the main difference is the 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 temperature of the water. It's just like, you know, brain freeze and you, you just sort of start to you really, really have to train hard for that one. You have to be quick and you have to be acclimatized to the cold, otherwise it's difficult. But I, I guess that's probably the main the main Difference. it's a similar similar dis- similar distance,
0: uh, distance. yes how,
1: how- and I, i'd say that the the tides are probably somewhat m- uh, more forgiving in the north channel you don't have that battle at the end like you do with the english channel but it's still it still can be hard work the tides can still be pretty yucky yeah. but not to the same degree
0: how, how did you acclimatize yourself to that that cold water
1: like what did you do? um this is based on like mm. no like i <laughs> I decided to not have any hot showers for like six months so I was living in London and it was winter and I would I, I had like stone cold showers from the get like you know from start to finish so I did that London has these really amazing unheated pools like they, they, they call them Lido's um, and uh, they'd get cold, like, you know, under five degrees cold. But I, I just had no idea, you know. I had no idea what, you know, water temperature means something different than air temperature. Like if you're not a swimmer, you know, I I certainly didn't understand what that meant. So I was rocking up to these Lido's when it, when it was like four or five degrees, <laughs> you know, like I'm ready to swim. And I remember once, like I... um. <laughs> I hadn't done any I hadn't done any cold swimming and I rocked up and it was, I think, six point something degrees. And um and I'd ridden my bike like forty five minutes to get there and this woman was like I so I spoke to her before I went in. I was like, Oh, um, you know, any any hot tips? I've not really done any cold water swimming and she was like, Oh, you've not done any Okay, well make sure you do just like one lap and, you know, see how you go. You might get the head spins. I like thought to myself like, I've um I've come all the way from um, I've ridden my bike 45 minutes. Like I'm not going to swim a, swim a lap. So I got in and I did a K and I like nearly passed out. Um, it was very cold, but they had these beautiful like saunas at the end. So um, yeah, that was nice. So I did that. I'd go to the I'd go to the unheated lidos and I'd swim um, there. And then how else did I prepare? Um, oh, I did like a I did like a little self. Directed training camp. Uh, I just took myself off to um, Belfast, and I did sort of five days swimming along the coast. Like it, uh, I think it was about uh, maybe um, May, so water temperatures were you know under ten degrees, and I just I just swim. <laughs> I'll get used to it. <laughs> wow. Are the
0: are the rules the same for both North and English Channel in terms of the bathers, the cap thickness, and all that kind of stuff? Yeah
1: yeah so one cap normal bathers you can use the whole wool, wool fat vaseline but that's it yeah yeah
0: and um obviously you have a support boat going beside you but you can't touch the boat but can they they can put things in the water for you to drink and eat during that time
1: yes yeah so they throw it like I have like a protein shaker on like a carabiner which they kind of throw out and you quickly quickly neck and then off you go (laughs) how
0: often would you be doing feeds and drinks during those sort of distances
1: every half hour yeah even more with the north channel like towards the end it even got a bit i think it was a bit less like every 20 20 25 minutes just to get a bit of um the water would be like heated up a little bit just to get a bit of the body temperature up
0: (laughs) Any physical reactions when you were doing the swim? Did you get seasick or anything like that?
1: Um, I got cold. <laughs> you got cold, <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't like feel cold per se. Like I just, after about four hours, I um, I just felt tired, which was unusual. You know, like I just felt in my core, like it just felt difficult. And my my arms felt heavy. I felt slower um but no I I didn't get seasick I, I I was stung by a fair few of the jellyfish that they have um which is uncomfortable and unpleasant at the time but I didn't I was lucky like I think some people have reactions and they can feel pretty pretty nasty but I you know I I sort of felt that the stingers in WA give the lion's mane a run for their money sometimes but I, I was lucky so yeah but um no I didn't I didn't really get too sick on that swim which was lucky
0: yeah that's really good what what sort of lessons did you learn from the english channel that you were able to take into the north channel swim
1: oh my english channel was tough um i struggled so i've got um very crummy shoulders um i as i said i dislocated um this one I actually dislocated both of them a year before the channel. And I struggled with them hugely in the lead up to the English Channel. Um, And I actually tore uh, one of my rotator cuff mid English Channel at three hours and 44 minutes. (laughs) I'll never forget (laughs) because I looked at my watch and I was like, I had this searing, like hot poker pain through my shoulder Um, and the power just completely went from it. and i and then that was the first that was the first thing that went wrong in that swim and then with my nutrition and stuff my 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 guts were misbehaving terribly so i was quite sick and i was in a lot of pain and somehow just you know i had a really good tim was on my boat and my parents and one of my best friends was on the boat and had a really good support crew and just kind of made it through and i think what i learned from that swim was you know you can be in die straight like you can really think that oh my gosh like there's no way I can do this but actually you know you can I think that was the most important thing that I took from that was that the threshold for giving up is pretty high
0: what what kind of self-talk did you do to sort of get over that because you must have been in so much pain tearing your rotator cuff
1: yeah I just I just uh, it it sounds like super simple, but it just like wasn't an option in my head ever that it w- you'd have to like something would have had to go on diabolically right i like I would have had to be pulled from the water for something outside of my control to have given up I just it just never really the self talk was going into it in my head, I was like, I am prepared to swim for twenty four hours and anything less is a bonus. That's what I told myself going in so when that started hurting at three hours, three hours, 44 minutes, I was like, that's okay. I only got 21 hours, 20 hours to go. I just, you know, I I just kind of set this weird, um, I don't know, expectation and it, and I just, it was never an option not to, not to do that. And I just thought of, I suppose I just thought of everyone who I had told. <laughs> Everyone knew I was doing it. <laughs> I um couldn't I don't think I could have faced all my lovely support and friends and stuff having not completed it. But again, it I would I was lucky that I had a, a really good crew and you know things didn't go too terribly wrong that it was an option to keep going. How how did you dislocate your shoulder? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a terrible story. Um I, I dislocated it like back in 2010 um, riding a moped in the rain um, and then I subsequently kept dislocating and I ended up having surgery on it and it was completely fine, no issues. And then I was um, surfing in Portugal uh, the year before the swim and it it dislocated um, quite badly and took a, it was a bit of an ordeal getting back in. Um, and then just, (laughs) I was in Portugal and I had this one dislocated shoulder and I was with a group of friends and we were on a surfing trip and they said, oh, Sam, like, come to the, you'll just have to come to the beach and sit and watch us and it'll be fine. And I was like, I don't want to sit on a crummy surf beach and watch you surf. Like, I'm going to go find one of those quintessential, um, Portuguese beaches. And so off I trotted and turns out I, I found one that was only accessible by kayak, um, and I tried to climb down the cliff anyway because I'm an idiot. <laughs> um, and I fell and I dislocated my other shoulder, which I've never dislocated before. <laughs> oh, no. So I was in i was in both arms in a sling for a little while. Um, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I actually, yeah, so that was 2017 and then I dislocated this one about two weeks, three weeks ago, again, for the first time. Oh, no. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) They're misbehaving at the moment, but, uh, yeah,
0: yeah, it's it's
1: no fault but my own.
0: (laughs) Oh, dear. I used to go to uni with a girl who um, every time she'd do a volleyball serve, she'd dislocate her shoulder, and our lecturer would just pop it back in.
1: No. Mm. Time for a new sport. (laughs) Time for a new sport.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I'm hopeful that that won't be me.
1: Hopefully.
0: No, I, yeah, I wasn't saying it. Yeah, you. yeah. <laughs> it, just, it just looks so painful. It's it?
1: awful. Honestly, it's one yeah. of the most disgusting feelings. When it's out of its socket, there's just no feeling like it. Like it just makes my stomach work. It's awful. Yes. <laughs> anyway.
0: Do you think that you'll um do any of the other Ocean 7 swims?
1: I've got a – I have a bit of a uh, – no, maybe, maybe. I don't have this – Um like all, all respect to people who go out and do the seven, like it's a huge, huge, huge achievement. But for me, like I want to swim because the swim appeals to me in in what, whatever way it is, not because it's this idea, um, you know, uh, I don't know if that makes sense. Like it's the Ocean Seven because someone has coined it the Ocean Seven, but there's a plethora of other incredible, amazing, amazing swims out there. And I just think like, I'd love to I think Tsugaru would be amazing. I think Cook Strait would be cool, but the rest of them don't really appeal to me. I'm 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 terrified of sharks. Um so I I mean that's crazy coming from Perth. Coming from Perth, I yeah. I know, I know, but like Catalina and Molokai and of stuff. No, I mean I might do, but there are other swims that appeal to me um much more than 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 those ones do. So me. but never say never but it's definitely not like it's not high on my list
0: yeah not a burning
1: desire at this no point. no no no
0: <laughs> i was going to ask you a bit about the training that you did heading mm. into those channel swims mm. what, what what did a training week look look like at the time
1: um it varied um it was anywhere from as little as like 20 kilometers to i did a training camp where we did 75 kilometers in five days but the average week i think was around it actually wasn't it wasn't huge um probably like 30 35 k's a week um but really smart training like like tim just i don't know the way he he led his sessions it was just real quality um uh, and he'd always catch me like before the training. I I'd, I'd, I'd love doing junk kilometres. Like I always thought I needed to do heaps of Ks, but it's not so much about those, you know, doing 10K sets as opposed to doing a really punchy 4, 5, 6K set um, with the right amount of rest so that you can really give each rep, you know, your all, um, which is something that I found different to training groups back in Australia where I hear people who are doing like stupid k's stupid not stupid I mean each to their own but um like like you know trying to hold down a full-time job and a social life and manage 40 50 k's a week and keep your shoulders intact and I don't know it just seems unrealistic whereas you know I when I was training for the channel I was swimming maybe like five max six days a week and one of those would be a bit longer, but the rest of them would be, you know, kind of four, five, six k's, Nothing too crazy. Yeah. Did
0: you supplement that with um, strength work on land?
1: I try to. I try to. I do probably like maybe one, one like initially I was doing one weight session a week, and then it was just like your usual, um, kind of like you know rotator cuff stuff. But yeah, I, I found I found um, my sweet spot is probably around. 30 to 35 k's away Uh sometimes more sometimes less but yeah really quality stuff and
0: Um, so with that type of quality stuff give us an example of um a quality set that you would would do sort of
1: um uh, my uh, self-directed i'd swim once by myself each week Mm -hmm. um not one I'd, i'd swim quite a few times by myself but um i'd always benchmark with a 10 400s um on like a descending time Um, and that was really nice because I would, I could, you know, objectively see, um, what my times were doing. And then with, I'm just trying to remember what, um, quality was, it was, it was lots of sort of like that middle distance stuff, lots of 400s, lots of 800s, um, interspersed with the occasional kilometre and then, Yeah. I don't I'm not I'm not really sure on the specifics. <laughs> <laughs> specifics are not my strong suit.
0: <laughs> what kind of time cycles would you follow on 10 400s?
1: Six forty or so. I'd start you know the tempo trainer? It, oh, that was my best friend. So I would start that on like twenty-five seconds and then I would each I do like four on four 400s on 25 and then I would drop it down to like 24.5 and, and drop that down like that but yeah I can't really remember the details <laughs> now when I swim now when I swim I do that I do that same for at 10 400s and then I've just sort of started with a master's group and I just follow whatever they're doing but um yeah yeah
0: <laughs> did you do a, did you do much kick and pull yeah. type training yeah,
1: yeah. Heaps heaps, of heaps of pull, which is my arch nemesis. I am, I'm all, I'm all kick, which is terrible. Um, But yeah, heaps of pull and paddles, just getting strong, strong in the arms, Um, bit of kick. And, and also we did lots of, um, we did heaps of butterfly and backstroke and breaststroke. Like, you know, they really, really, this is when I was in London, like really liked to mix it up, which I think was integral for like shoulder, you know injury prevention you know it's good if you're just absolutely smashing out kilometers in freestyle i think it can you know you get really tight in certain muscles and weak you in others. so it's good we did we did a stupid amount of butterfly it was i hated it but um i think there's definite definite merit to that yeah, definitely upper body strength as well as you know
0: using different muscles oh God, yeah. in your body
1: yeah absolutely absolutely and
0: what, what kind of advice would you give to someone who was looking at doing, say, an English Channel-type swim? What, what have you learned that someone else could use?
1: Um, I think it's about finding, like, for me, the community of it, like the, the groups that I found, the inspirational people who I've swum with, like finding people like that who can really bore you up. That's, it, it, it should, it's never been a chore for me to swim ever, um any kind of exercise i think as soon as it's a chore it just feels like a bit of a slog um so if you can find a group that you love and if you can if you actually love swimming then you know that's that's the battle um that's that's half the one i think personally um consistency i guess you know really just trying to get a bit in each week um and and i think the main thing for me is I was really stressed out when I um was training to swim the English Channel like I put so much pressure on myself it's a lot of money it's a lot of time and I really you know I was struggling with my shoulders and I put so much pressure on myself and I I suffered the consequences of that um you know with injuries injuries after injury um whereas the next year when I went and swam the North Channel I had this kind of just belief in myself that I could Accomplish that, and the pressure was gone, and um, my swimming in, improved tenfold. I didn't have injuries. I enjoyed it. So if I if there was some way of achieving that the first time round, <laughs> um, then that would be that would be great. But I think it's just having that belief in yourself that you can do it. I I, I truly believe that you know, as difficult as the English Channel is. If you are, if you've got a good technique and you have the, the can-do attitude, then I think that most people could do it, you know. Um, it's, it's so much about technique and just time in the water and, yeah, so having that belief that you can do it and then just going and do it, just do it.
0: <laughs> well, on the technique side of things, did, did you do much on that when you were training for it?
1: god yeah like so 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 much um i remember the first time i went down and swam with red top um tim gave me a ton of pointers and i i considered myself like a good swimmer i thought you know i've i've got years behind me of of training and technique and stuff but he tweaked a few things in my stroke and it like in terms of injury and just power and speed it just improved so much so yeah technique is everything what, what did he tell you um for me it was about my elbow position and my cat like really just getting I was over gliding I, I was always taught you know you're taught when you're young to really glide and so I was sort of coming up and my hand was going up and it was like I was putting on the stop. So he, he really worked on my, my pull and my catch and I was lazy. I would just sort of finish my catch halfway and, I, you know, I, he got me, you know, doing the full the full stroke, which I was not aware that I wasn't doing. Um, that improved my pull and, yeah, so that I think that was probably the big one um, and then did a little bit of video stuff to see exactly what my hand entry was like. And, again, that's a big contributing factor to shoulder pain. So if you're crossing over even a little bit, you're going to get impingement issues. And so really ironed out all of that stuff like really early on and that was, that was really um, important and supportive.
0: yeah, Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. I, I think that's something that a lot of marathon swimmers from, from my sort of perspective or point of view perhaps don't concentrate on enough and I think that that's a really important thing, but particularly when you're doing that many kilometres and, and then for your shoulder health ongoing
1: absolutely without a doubt like as soon as you like the just the the repetitions that you're doing your poor shoulders like everything needs to be top-notch and we get so obsessed with with distance and just and just like pumping out these kilometers each week and it 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 has to be quality and quality comes from stroke not from just like junk kms (laughs) not every kilometer is equal
0: (laughs) that's that's true yes I'm a I'm a bit guilty of the old junk kilometers <laughs> it's, it's
1: it's really it's so tempting to do I've done the exact same thing like I used to rock up before a training session and I'd do four kilometers before the training session begun and Tim would be like what are you doing <laughs> I'm like oh yeah but then I've done and tonight I will have done eight kilometers and he's like and you know like I I don't know. I think that there's pros and cons to both and I see the temptation and I've been there, but I think now I, I know that you can be, and especially now, like at the moment, um, I'm training for some swims, but I'm also, I'm, I'm doing a triathlon next year. And I've, I've really understood the value of the cross training a lot more now than previously, you know, when I was doing the, the, um, channel swims, it was only swimming. And I thought, I thought that was the only way that you could do that whereas now I am actually doing heaps of bike riding and running and, and all of that kind of thing but my swimming hasn't taken a hit to the degree that I thought it would you know like it's not it's not at the I'm not nearly as good as I was when I was doing the North Channel but I can easily go and do a 10k in the ocean and it be no problem and I think that you know that's opened my eyes that you it doesn't have to all be swimming as wonderful and as amazing as it is
0: (laughs) no I I think cross training is is the future Mm. for for swimmers and I think a lot of people are putting that into their programs
1: yeah yeah it's actually phenomenal like it's it's um I did a 10k I've got a, a really good friend who comes down to Tassie every um every month or so and he's always keen for an adventure swim and we did a 10k swim a f- maybe six weeks ago and it was cold and I hadn't been swimming heaps I was like oh this is going to be a struggle but I'm, I'm fit you know I'm, I'm quite fit at the moment and I got in and it was okay you know and I thought oh okay so biking and running and all that you know doing a bit of strength work it translates massively so yeah and I think yeah, absolutely the longevity of you know the human body I don't think is designed just to do one thing over and over and over again. So if you can mix it up a little bit, it helps.
0: Yeah. Mm. Which triathlon are you doing?
1: I'm doing the Hobart Half Ironman. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. So that. So what are the distances? Uh, that's only that's a two k swim, a 90 k bike ride, and a 21 k run.
0: Wow. Mm. So... Would you ever see yourself going up to the um, Ironman? Um. Oh,
1: maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I always said no, but my running yeah. hit. I, um, I broke my ankle quite really badly um, back in 2015 and I was sort of told that running would not be in my future and so I stopped. Um, but it's been behaving and I've been increasing the kilometres and I've not had any issues. So I've sort of thought, oh, maybe maybe an iron man i don't know i don't know i, I don't know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, ne- never say never never say never never say <laughs> never. But I, it could it could be on the cards
0: <laughs> <laughs> i saw that you recently has started swimming in water around tasmania that's very cold like six degrees yes um is that obviously out of hobart harbour sort of in yeah, that area, yeah. or is it further afield
1: i live in lauderdale which is on the beach um and, yeah, actually, no, Rod and I did a swim, you're right, maybe in the dead of winter, um, and it was seven degrees, I think. Um, it's, it's so cold. But, um, yeah, it, it, I never really, you know, Tasmania is super close to Antarctica, so we get the, these really cold waters and it's just freezing, freezing, freezing cold, but it's a lot of fun to swim in if you can if you can master it. <laughs> if you can must, but you don't, you don't do it with a wetsuit, do you? No, I'm staunchly (laughs) anti-wetsuit. I'm a bit pig-headed about it (laughs) to my own detriment. I'm like, no, I will not swim with a wetsuit. And then I don't end up swimming at all. So I don't know. I managed to go the whole year in the whole Tasmanian winter without a wetsuit. So I am happy with that. I arrived in Tasmania in September last year, and that's kind of the coldest month because it's had the whole winter to cool, to cool down. And I met with this group and um, I went swimming with them and I hadn't done any cold water swimming since the North Channel. And I didn't know how cold the water was going to be. And I rocked up and they were like, oh, where's your wetsuit? And I was like, oh, I don't have one. And we swam three kilometers and I was too proud to get out, but I was in such a terrible way by the end of it. I was, I think I it, it had to be under 10. It had to be. Um, and, but yeah, now, like I just, I just continued on with that, you know, like I just chipped away at it and I kept swimming this winter and I'm, I'm now, I, I haven't had any other um, responses, like the response I had after that swim, I, uh, was, uh, I that was borderline hypothermic but now now i'm now i'm now i've i've mastered the it's all about um the after drop so i've, I've sort of mastered how to tackle that post swim do
0: you ever even let yourself use a thermal cap at all or no no, no? okay it's
1: hardcore all the way <laughs> okay. i just i think it's <laughs> it's just because i know the rules of channel swimming and so i can't i can't let myself you know two caps anything everything has to be by those by those rules of Matthew Webb I don't know why it's just something that I have in my head <laughs> to the point where this triathlon in in um in Feb I emailed them recently because triathletes love wetsuits and I emailed them and I said oh um you know I've read on the website that wetsuits are compulsory and they were they're like yes you know unless it's a certain unless it's above 17 degrees you have to wear a wetsuit. So I'm just hoping and praying that the water temperature rises to 17 and I don't have to. Otherwise, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Cross that bridge. Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully in February it'll be warm. Exactly,
0: exactly. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, do temperatures really
1: get up above 17 degrees in the water? Not in
0: Tasmania. Tasmania? Not really. Not really. It's so cold. Yeah.
1: I mean, even now, everyone's like, oh, the water temperature is so much warmer. It's like, I don't know, 14, 15 degrees. (laughs) The standards down here are low, which is fantastic. Like it's (laughs) cold water swimming is. Is that what you love um, about it, that it
0: makes you feel alive? It has
1: a very special place in my heart. It's brutal, but it is. it it makes you feel so alive. So I I get a bit sad when it gets warmer now. Um, yeah, it's just this bracing feeling. It's like nothing, I don't know, it kind of really it brings you so into the present moment, unlike anything else. You can't be worried about anything when you when you're you really have to focus on your breath and not panicking and not letting like I feel the cold like I feel the cold like anyone feels the cold, but it's like it it's empowering to understand that you can feel it and notice it but not like let it in let it into your bones um and you can kind of you know your body is this incredible thing that can generate warmth and if you kick really hard and really fast and focus on your breathing it you can kind of settle it and um it's just such a satisfying feeling and it just i love i love it i love the i love how the cold makes me feel i don't like getting out afterwards that's the that's the tricky bit. Um, that that's the hardest, and I think the most dangerous. But when you're in there, it just you know, that we have these amazing mornings in Tasmania where there's no wind and it's the sun's up and it's brutally cold, and it, and it just I feel so lucky, so privileged to be able to be out there experiencing it. It's very humbling.
0: It sounds beautiful. It's amazing.
1: Get, get down here. <laughs> it's very uh-huh. cold.
0: Um, it's very- I am actually coming down in um, next April for the Masters Nationals.
1: Oh, fantastic. Yes, yeah. yes. That's yeah. Going to be, yeah, it's going to be amazing.
0: Yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. Very good. What tips have you got for people when you get out of the cold water? What do you do to warm yourself up?
1: Don't have a hot shower. Um, that is the worst thing to do. Having a hot drink is good. Um, I've got into the habit and I haven't done it for a while because it's it's warmed up but I have my bike I've got an indoor bike trainer Um, and this is obviously not something that everyone has available to them but but being able to generate your own body warmth is the is the best way so if I'm if I if I go for a swim down at the beach here I like just run home really quick and I jump on the trainer and just absolutely smash it for 10 minutes and then I'm good (laughs) Uh, yes so If you can generate your own body warmth, that's the best thing. Having a hot drink um, and lots of layers. If you have, I just I found if I jump in a hot shower, I can't get out, and I'm like actually burning my skin with how hot the water is. You, the, the warmth has got to come from within. So,
0: everyone that comes on the podcast, I ask them a deep dive sort of swim shot of swim snapshot, I should say, of their swimming. So I've just got five quick questions for you. What is your favourite open water swim location that
1: you've ever swum in? Probably Croatia. Okay. Yeah. Training camp in Croatia was just phenomenal. That, you know, the most beautiful clear water. Yes. Um, really amazing. Obviously not as accessible. Um, I mean, Perth would be great if it weren't for... Sharks. Um, the sharks, yeah, the sharks are a bit of an issue. But if you can get past that, it's beautiful. <laughs> the
0: beaches there are beautiful; they're stunning. Yeah, aren't the
1: beach they? is amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. It's such a shame that it's, yeah, so terrifying. I know. Have you
0: ever seen one? Like when you did Rottnest, did you see any? Yeah,
1: when I did, when I did um uh Rottnest, I saw one really deep, really deep down, like a kilometre from rotto so i was really close to finishing and i like i looked up my boat driver and i said that Mabdo, there's a shark and he just looked at me and he was like what do you want me to do about it keep swimming <laughs> like oh okay i'll keep going then <laughs> um but no i haven't I've, I've freaked myself out a number of times um where i where i thought that there was something there and i've been taken out of the water a couple of times but i've not had any close encounters thank right
0: thank, thankfully
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and aside from the triathlon that's coming up, what yeah. is your next open water challenge that you've set yourself?
1: I've um I've actually got a few. I'm under I'm under strict instruct I'm I'm not allowed to say. Oh, okay. <laughs> Secret <laughs> to watch this space. Um, yeah. but some local Tasmanian swims that have yet to be conquered. Um, so my friend Rod and my friend Val, two very very good swimmers who spend a lot of time down here. We are plotting some, some epic swims for next year. So. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah, watch very, this
1: space. Watch this space. Watch this space. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Rod did the, uh, do river last year, didn't he?
1: He did, yeah, yeah he, did, he did really well with that. So that yeah. was fun. Um, that's a great swim. I think I'll do that next year. Um, I'd like to do that in the winter, um, just to see if I could. Um, See, it gets really cold. It would be under 10 degrees. I just want to see whether that's a possibility. possibility. I feel like I've not quite got to, even with the, and the North Channel was really, really, really hard, um, the hardest thing I've done. But if someone had held a gun to my head at the end and said, you have to keep swimming, I I would have been able to. So I'm really intrigued to what it looks like to push past that. And I think a, a winter Derwent big swim would 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 be quite challenging
0: yeah How, is it 30 35k is that right 35K, yeah. yeah yeah so not quite
1: as far as the channel yeah. no and you've got the assistance of the tide as well yeah um so it should be doable i think
0: yeah why, why did ron start in the dark because of the
1: tides oh yes yeah because of the tides you, you yeah. do yeah he yeah yeah essentially the tides um and he intended to do a slightly longer swim but it didn't quite go that way so he started at a slightly different time um but yeah you want to be going so you're going with that outgoing tide.
0: sorry we got up we got a bit off the questions so i was gonna ask you what are which other open water swimmers do you admire i know you just mentioned rod and bell
1: oh rod and bell are my um yeah they're my absolute the best swim buddies ever always keen for a massive adventure so I love them but the greater picture I um it's got to be out of Lynn Cox and um Sarah Thomas like she those two women are just so um they're just down to earth. There's no ego. There's no showiness, and they're just they're badass, and they can swim like absolute hell women. Like I just love them. I think they're amazing. <laughs> Sarah talked like Lynn. Co- I'm, I got to meet Lynn Cox. Um, she's done swimming in Antarctica and all sorts all around the world, and she's she doesn't. There's no there's no bravado or arrogance. There's just this like low key awesomeness which i just respect so much i think i think talking to lynn um a couple of years ago when i would sort of found out about the ocean seven and i asked her the same question i said oh would you do the ocean seven and she said to me sam like why would i do that you know why would i do that when there's a world of swim you just you can spin a globe and put your finger anywhere and swim anywhere you want and i just thought oh you're absolutely right you can swim anywhere you want so that's exciting about what we've got going on next year is we've kind of picked some super rogue random stuff. Um, and I think it'll be a fun challenge, but yeah, Lynn, Lynn and Sarah, just, I just think are so inspirational and so, I don't know. I want to be friends with them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure they'd love to be friends. (laughs) (laughs) They
1: They can be, they can be, you know, in any big sport, there can be so much ego involved, you know, um, and I just, I really love it when people are, um, there's no flashiness. It's there's, there's just like low key skill and ability and power. And I, <laughs> I'm very excited. <laughs> it's very, uh, yeah, it's very uh, admirable. It, it is. It yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, it, it comes down to the, at the end of the day, like, why do we, why do we do anything? You know, do we do it because of the kudos you get on Strava and the likes on Instagram? Or do you do it because like, it fills your, your cup and it makes you feel alive. I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I love a few kudos, but <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day, like, you're doing it because it brings you joy. And yes. you know, I think those two women emulate that, like, massively. Yeah. It's yes, about all the other stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
0: they're, they're
1: icons. They are absolute icons, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> what is your favourite freestyle training drill? Oh,
1: it's a bit of left of field that is left of field um what is my favorite probably um like broken arrow have you heard of that one no give us a demo your arm is like you kind of you you kick on your side and your arm is straight up and then you it's like a real kind of high elbow hand entry i guess and is that a a catch up that you do or you just You've got I'm your sure. other arm out in front and you're kinda of up yeah. and then down. So it's really yeah. Yeah, it is a catch up, I guess. Yeah. 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 Would you do that, that? Do that with oh. fins or yes, fins. Yep. Yes, yep. fins. Um that or maybe like a long dog. Uh, I'm not know. a fan of the long dog. <laughs> you don't like the long dog? No, it's I really brutal, don't brutal actually. I find <laughs>
0: it really hard on my shoulders.
1: Yeah, it is, it is, and you're kind of up in that position it really you know there's nothing i i get lazy with my catch. so anything that's really forcing me yes. forcing me through um i hate. yeah i hate pool but i know i have to do it it's not a drill but it's just one of those things that i know is going to make my swimming so much better
0: yes yeah absolutely
1: yeah. and
0: last question favorite um or, or what you eat before a big swim like that what's your sort of your last meal uh,
1: um I, for dinner the night before, and I think it's just like a weird, um, uh, like a Pavlov's dog type thing. Like I now cook it and I'm like swimming brain on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's like a really hefty mac and cheese. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, yeah. I have that for dinner and then I'll probably have leftovers in the morning before the swim (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't want rich cheesy goodness before they swim um no so that I think that that's one of them but I, I like the mental prep like when I'm cooking the mac and cheese I know it's on yeah. like it's, it's it is on. I, I actually now can't really eat mac and cheese because like when I'm cooking and I, I get this weird like anticipatory like nervousness I'm like Oh, hang on Sam. it's Tuesday night. Like you don't have to swim forty kilometres tomorrow. Calm down. <laughs> um Oh,
0: that's funny. It's funny how the, the mind associates things like that with a certain event.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. And <laughs> now I can't enjoy mac and cheese. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <That's> um <okay.
1: laughs> Yeah, that or something that I'm loving at the moment, pre big swim, is um toast, peanut butter, banana and honey. That's oh, yes. That's ticking all the boxes. That's nice. Well, Sam,
0: thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's been um, lovely he- hearing all about your open water adventures and I really look forward to finding out what the secret swims are for next year.
1: I know. I, sorry to do that. It's such a it's such a thing, but because they've not been done, we, we don't want anyone to pip up, pit us to the. Yeah,
0: top. no, I think that's fair enough.
1: Fair <laughs> enough. I'll be watching. But yeah, yeah, no, it's <laughs> exciting. We'll keep you posted. Thank yeah. you. For, um. Thanks for the chat. <laughs> yeah,
0: thanks very much. Well, best wishes. Have a lovely Christmas. Thank you, you too. We'll thanks. Okay, bye.
1: Bye. There you go, Bob.
0: I hope you enjoyed my chat with Sam and that you've taken some knowledge away to use in your own open water swimming. Don't forget to enter our competition that we have going on at the moment to win a Torpedo Swim Talk t-shirt. Just follow, like, comment and tag three friends on the t-shirt post on either Instagram or Facebook and you'll be in the running to win the t-shirt. Till next time, happy swimming and bye for now.